You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 62, The Paradox. Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever-changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room. Welcome to The Paradox. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Larson. Thank you for joining me as we discuss the U.S. medical system in a fun and informative format through expert analysis. Today's expert is Joe Kick, a physical therapist in private practice. His practice is called Midline Movement, and I chose to speak to Joe because he doesn't practice physical therapy in the traditional model, one based on third-party payers. It's a very informative discussion and highlights how the payment system affects how we treat our patients, does it impact our strategies, and does insurance with copays, deductibles, balance billing even save you money as a patient? Well, certainly part of the discussion today, and I think it will help illuminate those sort of aspects of care. I'd like to thank everyone for your understanding and the herky-jerky release dates of the show. Not only have I had an unusually high volume of weekend calls, where I often get things done, but I've been working on my wife's podcast launch, which is incredibly important. Longtime listeners will know about the loss of my son, Andy, who was 14, in August of 2018 in a car crash. I discussed the loss in episodes 19 and 20, and more extensively with an interview with my wife in episode 25. Anyway, we searched for ways of dealing with grief and understanding through podcasts and search for podcasts that were on parental grieving and we didn't find any and that got my wife thinking and Marcy decided that that's what she should do and that's what she needed to do as part of helping patients helping people and it's sort of you know why we go into medicine so anyway it launched this week and the response was very much as I predicted a tremendous response the podcast is called losing a child always Andy's mom. And you can visit the website at andysmom.com. If you know someone dealing with that kind of grief or someone helping someone go through that, I'd encourage you to pass along the show and see if they find some useful help or tools or comfort from the show. Uh, Like me, she also closes her show with Andy singing his solo uh, 
the Christmas concert of 2017, the Grand Rapids Choir of Men and Boys. Those are things that are linked in every show notes page. But back to housekeeping. The show notes can be found for this show at theparadox.com. That's D-O-C-S slash 062. I'd ask that you subscribe to the show if you're not already. And please leave a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast player you like to use. But without further ado, Joe Kick on Physical Therapy Against the Grain. Enjoy. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Joe. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dr. Larson. I appreciate it. Is that okay if I call you Dr. Larson? or do you go That's right okay. okay. Well, I always, I always joke uh, that the only people who call me doctor are nurses and medical students. Uh, and actually, only half the nurses call me doctor. The other half who are older than me, <laughs> which is less than used to be, uh, they usually just call me Eric, but okay. it doesn't, it doesn't bother me either way. Um, so it's pretty interesting talking to you today. I was, I know we've been kind of trying to set this up for some time because I've not had a physical therapist on the show and there's a lot, a lot of, uh, I know I have a lot of people who are listeners who are in the, I'll call it the ancillary medical service. So not physicians, but people who are in the medical, you know, physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, all the people sort of who provide medical care on some level, but are not the physicians or the nurses, the people are like in the hospital. Yeah. Although PTs obviously are in the hospitals too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I want to t- talk to you because your story is, I think, unique. Uh, at least that's my impression. So why don't you just start with a background of what is, um, what is a typical outpatient, because you're outpatient physical, what does a out- typical outpatient physical therapy practice look like? Okay. And I think that's a good question. And I think as far as my business model, I'm trying to go away from kind of that typical kind of outpatient physical therapy, because I think what you, what you kind of have as, as most people see as an outpatient therapy is your, your kind of open gym concept. You've got multiple tables, multiple patients at a time where you have multiple therapists treating multiple patients as well. So gym equipment, tables, modalities, everything like that, you know, all the good stuff as far as what people are kind of when they, when they look at that in their perspective of PT. So my, my perspective as physical therapy of what I'm looking to do is, is keep it individualized, you know, for each patient, right? So my, my practice, I have a single room with a single bed. Um, I do have other treatment devices and apparatuses as far as home exercise, but mainly for me, it's, it's the table and the patient and really, you know, getting down to what the patient is looking for, first of all, right, what their desires mm-hmm. are, and then and then essentially why they're there, what their pain is, and really getting and honing in on the diagnosis. And I think that's the biggest thing as far as like, you know, what people think as traditional therapy and kind of the new direction as far as what I'm trying to take therapy and, and with, again, to, I would say, a specific population, right? So, you know, post rehab, I'm not going to really see a lot of post rehab with surgical intervention. They're going to do more your standard uh-huh. PT. But I'm looking to, to get into those, you know, that realm of therapy where people are looking for resolution to issues that they've had for a long time. Sure. Uh, so I guess, you know, when I, as someone who's never gone to physical therapy, I know my wife has uh, had physical therapy, but my impression is, you know, since I'm in the, the OR suite, I'm always imagining people recovering from total knees and things like that. You mentioned rehabilitative yeah, and services, but um, what is the, the, the typical structure for a physical therapy practice. I mean, I assume that you're, and I want to just go into maybe the economics of it, sort of like, you know, what are the incentives? What are, how do you people um, get paid? How do people make decisions of who they go to? Those sorts of questions. Like, you know, what is a referral base? Are they all employed people? Are they independents? You know, that, that's sort of questions. And yep. then, and then we'll kind of go into sort of how you're different and yeah, what yeah. you're, how you're looking at kind of change things. You know, 
PT typically, you know, most people are going to go and, you know, go to, uh, you know, their primary physician as far as, Hey, you know, my shoulders bother me. And then that physician will typically, you know, refer them unless they have somebody that they want to go and see. So you do see a lot of that with a network referral. I think that's with a lot of systems. So, you know, if you, you know, go to a spectrum doctor, a lot of times they'll refer to a spectrum based facility for rehab. So, um, you know, you're seeing that as far as the referral. And then, you know, I've got patients too with direct access. People can come in without going to their doctor first, right? Get a physical therapy evaluation. And then you have 21 days really to complete that therapy regimen until there needs to be a doctor referral after that. So, so I guess when you say direct access, so you're talking about, initially you're talking about someone within a health system yep. and there's, uh, they're oftentimes competing health systems like in our city, there's certainly competing health systems. And yep. so, People try, there are certain physical therapy practices that are within a system. So they're owned by a hospital system or whatever, yep. or medical group. And then people go and they refer, the physicians in that group refer to within their group generally, right? And then other things you're saying, people can just call you up and say, hey, my insurance company allows me to, to just go to someone. Is that what you mean by direct Good ex- question. So direct access, at least for physical therapy, is that under you know the governing bodies of Michigan state law. So it's not really an insurance-based incentive. It's more just the, the what the practice act allows. Is it unique to me. Michigan? Uh, Michigan has, uh, yeah. So okay. each state has an individual kind of direct access rule. Um, some allow to utilize physical therapies just as a primary care for whatever they're looking for. In the state of Michigan, essentially, instead of going to the doctor first, you could go and get a therapy evaluation before you I go see. to your doctor. For 20, you have a 21-day time period after that initial evaluation. And then if they want to continue with treatment further on that, then that's where doctor referral or, or script you know, sign-off is going to be merited. But if the patient has a good rapport, possibly has a history of an issue, oftentimes you can send over the evaluation, the doctor will sign off it, and it's pretty smooth sailing. But every now and then you'll get it where, you know, somebody wants their patient to come in, so that doctor still kind of is the overseeing. I see. So this, and, you know, I serve on the Regs and Legs Committee, which short for regulation legislation mm-hmm. for the Michigan State Medical Society. And we talk about these sort of issues with, um, I guess, scope of practice. It's always, yeah. it's always yeah. a big question, right? Like, People try and well, the base, the state regulatory bodies decide what you can and can't do, and what your license allows you to do. And so, one of the things, of course, is you know, can you just say, you know, I pulled my back, my back, threw my back out. Can I just go to a physical therapist and get it fixed, or do I have to go get permission from my physician and get a prescription? So, yep. yours is, sounds like, at least in our state, it's kind of some quasi sort of you have to have the physician sort of approve of it after it's all sort of done, but it has to be within a certain period of time. You can't just start a six month therapy without the physician having some idea that's exactly. a physician okay right yeah yep exactly so so if you have somebody who possibly you know let's say it's acute ankle sprain um which you know you're looking at four to six weeks full recovery at least as far as you right. know motion pain but let's say you can expedite the process somebody comes in you can treat them in three weeks and they say hey i'm good to go at that point you do not need this the script sign off so really do not need any type of you know, okay. doctor's intervention but yeah anything beyond that that's going to be more long term um, typically what I will do with patients is if somebody comes in and I do see a little bit more of a prolonged kind of um, prognosis as far as what their issue is, whether the chronicity of it's just been there for a long time. So we're assuming it's going to take a little bit longer. That's where I typically I'll, I'll write the script, fill it out, have them take it to their doctor, have either have them sign off or, you know, I'll fax over the script, have them sign off and then they fax it back. Okay. Yeah. And that's a regulatory, that is outside of any payment sort of thing, right? It this is, is yep. this is not like... I have $1,000, hey, Joe, you want to fix something for me? And you're like, well, I can't really treat you for six months without having some sort of 
approval, right? Yeah. It's sort of like you can go to certain countries. I think I think like Mexico's one up. You just go to the pharmacy and just ask for whatever medications you want. In the United States, you have to have a prescription for it unless it's an over the counter medication. You right. I it. mean that's sort of the yeah. That's a, that's a really the scope of practicings. Um, so your initial you're talking about going to the physical therapist and there are these two options, I guess, you know, you're within the network or something. So how is, how does it usually paid for? And I mean, I imagine most of the people are paid what the traditional way through yeah, insurance. Yeah, so how yeah, is it? Yeah. So, so typically most people who go into a therapy practice are going to have, you know, uh, within network, you know, coverage, some have out of network costs as well. So normally that's a little bit of higher deductible, but you know, most people, if deductibles met, you know, might have a $20 copay, and then the majority of that is is probably covered under most plans. So there are some plans that cover visits. There are certain plans that, you know, are, are covered as far as, you know, do they fall into the in-network deductible? So once you meet your, your deductible, then a lot of times patients just held the copay. But most of the time that's being, you know, the, the patient themselves is not seeing the bill. They're paying the copay. Yeah, everything gets billed. Insurance covers what they need to, and then whatever's left, either whether it be zero dollars or twenty dollars, that patient pays. And so, so that's a little bit of that kind of you know those hidden fees where people don't really understand the actual cost of what they're going into because most of it's covered. Sure, or at least it's not it. It's a, it's a whole third party payer. There's a there's a third party paying, the, and so you don't really see whether they're reasonable or unreasonable charges, right? Yeah, I mean, so yeah. that's the, the craziness that happens in medicine, right? You have, and then you almost have the question of what the rack rate is of something versus what the real rate is, the cost yeah. it is to you for you to deliver the care. And well, this with, and you know, you have separate contracts you sign with different insurance providers. So, you know, your deal with uh, Aetna may be different than with Blue Cross yes. versus United Healthcare versus, you know, whatever insurance company you can think of. So, so when someone says, well, how much does this cost? You're like, well, depends on who you have a contract with and so, because you're not contracting directly with the person for most exactly. physical, right? Yeah. Or it could be a certainly government payer too, yeah. which like yeah. the Medicare, Medicaid, um, it, totally unrelated maybe, but Medicaid rates, are they generally very, very low compared to yeah, Medicare I mean, as well? I was saying, yeah, Medicaid, Med- Medicare. So hard similar. to get access if you're someone with Medicaid, yeah. right? I yes. mean, you have insurance, but no one really wants to take for it. For sure, take yeah. Care I mean, well, because, I mean, you look at it as far as, hey, this is my charge, you know, how much percentage do I make back? And then two, how much are you paying that person to do the therapy? Yeah, right. Whether, whether you're the boss who's or somebody who's managing a therapy clinic. Obviously, it's a, it's a it, the business part, I think, is where people do not see as far as business entities have to survive. They need to have some type of profit in order to be successful and continue to grow and flourish. To reinvest in your business as well, right? For Buy sure. new equipment. You can't, you can't do that if you're not making any extra than what yeah. you're <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah. so when you, when you see those, you know, um, government, you know, uh, insurances, a lot of times the reimbursement is lower. And so, you know, and too, I think, I mean, you see it in a lot of medicine too. You see doctors now that are having to work more because you're seeing more Medicare, Medicaid, the reimbursement's lower. And so, but yeah, I mean, typically those are going to be, are going to reimburse lower. The nice part about opening my practice itself and and being an out of network, I do not have any contracts with insurance companies, right? Okay. So, um, my patients pay up front and then if they do have a reimbursement through their insurer for an out of network cost, and sometimes you kind of, you had asked too about, does the referral, constitute the insurance reimbursement there are certain insurance companies that if you have a referral they will take my cost even though it's out of network and bill it as in network because it's now within the practice 
okay. within, within the doctor's <clears throat> referral. Sure. Yeah. And that's all those, those are all the strange sort of agreements that different insurance companies have, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. it's almost unpredictable for what they, um, what's would, covered and who's not covered, right? I, would I mean, agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, it's the, it's the frustrating thing that patients deal with and, you know, as a provider of care, you're, you, you, it's as frustrating for you too, right? Cause not, cause you're doing what you think is right. And, uh, then you have to justify it or you have to go through, you know, six hoops to take care of something that Definitely. would be a lot simpler if someone just came in and said, Hey, I need something done. Right. Yeah. Like most services we get, obviously you don't have to deal with any of this stuff, right? You just, yeah. you know, you need your house painted. You just got, you have a guy come out and tell you how much it's going to cost to paint your house. And then, you know, your house is painted. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> There's not yeah. like four other people you need to ask and say, you go to the painting advisory board and say, hey, is this okay? Or yeah. talk to your you know, citizens insurance about your homeowner's insurance. Can I cover <laughs> right, this? Is, this right. is my painting covered, right? Um, so you kind of just alluded to that briefly. So we'd say the traditional physical therapy is, I would say, pretty typical to like traditional, any sort of other medicine, right? Like there's yep. most of it is through a, a, some sort of carrier of care, either a government payer or a, a private insurer. We have various rack rates that we charge based on whoever it is. Medicare, Medicaid usually pays a set rate. It doesn't matter who you are, if you're good or bad, you know, slow or fast. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. all the, you know, the treatment costs this much. If you have to come back for a year, it's what should be able to be fixed in four weeks or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter, right? Um, so you've obviously kind of alluded to the fact that you don't do that. So, so what do you do? How is your practice different than other practices? Good question. So, you know, fee for service, you know, some people call it cash-based practice, right? So essentially the, the kind of definition of that is that, you know, there, there's kind of an upfront set cost that no matter what service I provide, the cost is kind of straight across the board, right? Right. So, so like there's a menu. And exactly. You just... and, and really it's, it's kind of therapist, patient driven, um, you know, like collectively, I mean, I kind of dictate the plan you know, based off what I think the patient needs. But the nice part is, is that, you know, if I want to spend X amount of time, you know, and, and we, you know, we talk units a lot in physical therapy, right? So unit, whether we're going to be, you know, if you use the eight minute rule with Medicare, you know, eight minutes. That's a know, unit in Medicare? Well, that, yeah. So eight okay. minutes. Ours, is, ours are in anesthesia are 15 minutes. Gotcha. So go okay. <laughs> so, so it's typically you think 15, right? Yeah. But if you, in Medicare, if you hit that eight minute mark, you can technically bill a full unit, right? Oh, okay. And then the next unit is going to be, it's funny because I don't do Medicare anymore, right? So I used to have to know. <laughs> 16 it's, or something? It, it's like, I want to say it's like 18 and then, yeah, 23 minutes, I think you can bill three. I have to look at that again. And, no. And this is rule, why, yeah. and this yeah. is why it's, yeah, right. It exactly. And there's no, I mean, there's a, someone sat in a committee meeting at some point for probably three months and came up with this, these rules, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, now I'm going to have to go and look this up again too, because I'm like, oh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, so, you know, and that's where therapists will dictate and determine and, and too, and sometimes, you know, if you get, Hey, I get eight minutes, I get a unit, right? So they're trying to maximize volume, maximize units. Whereas, you know, typically I will treat, um, hour long treatment sessions unless I feel like it doesn't, you know, it's not merited. If somebody's, you know, doing well, yeah. comes in for a follow up, I might just, you know, reassess some things and send them on their way as long as they feel comfortable with it. So, um, with that, you know, the nice part is too, is that, you know, I'm receiving the payment up front, right? So I'm taking that kind of lag time as far as reimbursement mm -hmm. out of the equation. Yeah, right. Which now, is huge. It is. It is. Especially as a provider. Now, as a patient, there is, you know, that can be, you know, a lot. What also, too, I think that that does for my patients is that most of the people, because they've a lot of them will go that traditional route. So I'll people, see people who've 
gone that traditional route, gone with therapy that's mm-hmm. covered under their insurance and essentially has failed, you know, yeah. but then go back to the doctor. The doctor really doesn't have an answer. Hey, this is not really surgically merited. You know, we don't really know what's wrong. So I'm just, I'm just trying to provide another set of eyes, another set of hands and another, you know, essentially, um, avenue that people can hopefully find a way to resolution, you know? So, so you're, I've interviewed a number of physicians who are run direct primary care. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But, yeah, yeah. But it's basically like almost a membership based. Yeah, right. Kind of process. concierge services. Yeah, it's like, like a that. concierge, except it, concierge usually uh, suggests that there's insurance involved, mm. <clears throat> and this is actually just straight membership, like a gym membership. Gotcha, okay. So you just pay fifty bucks a month or yeah, seventy bucks yeah. a month. Uh, and my doc here in town is actually direct primary care now. Okay. Um, and so there, the model is different in the sense that the physician is, in some ways, you're just you. You don't want to. You're not trying to keep people out of your office, but you are. Um, you're incentiv- You're sort of incentivized to uh, have less people, and so you have a bit better sort of a handle on their care. Gotcha. Yep. And also, you're trying. You're maintaining their health, and your hope is they're not coming a lot. Whereas the traditional medical practice, you're you are volume based. There's there's although there's all this talk about quality and but essentially all the ba- all the money. And as you mentioned with physical therapy, it sounds exactly the same, right? It's based on how much time you spend and how many times people come in. It has no, it's no bearing on, did you fix me? Yeah. Right. I mean, that happens a yes. lot, most of the time in yeah. medicine, um, but it's not the primary objective. It's certainly not what people are initially paying for. Yes. I think the patients, when they arrive, that's obviously their objective. Mm-hmm. But as far as the, um, as far as all the other incent, the economic financial incentives, they're not, yeah. they don't always align for the resolution that the, that the patient comes in Absolutely. for. Right. And so you're just, you're just kind of doing, you don't have a membership based or do you also for that? I don't. Yeah. You know, that was something I looked into, right. As far as, yeah, Yeah. trying to make it where two people could access. So again, you know, kind of looking at that concierge, but yeah, too, I would say more as what you're talking about, you know, where, um, it's a direct pay where, Hey, the patient comes in, can pay for a membership and can utilize and access it. I, when I started out, I didn't really know what my success was going to be like. So I kind of just wanted to start and kind of get things rolling. And then, and then it kind of got so congested that I just kind of had to, st- I had to stick with what I had going. And so now when I have more free time, I'm really trying to look at as far as, you know, um, expanding, trying to make the care optimal, um, you know, whether it be in the facil- facility with equipment, things like that. But yeah, it's, I mean, I think those, that, that realm of, of treatment, medical treatment, you know, same thing with what I'm trying to do with my patients. I mean, I'm trying to give people an idea of what the problem is, give them a better, more clear prognosis do what I think is appropriate at that point to get them out of there quicker. It's not a, Hey, you're weak here. You, you know, this is, this is bad. This is bad. So we're going to start with this and then we're going to, you know, every day is going to be like a, well, we'll see if you're getting better. I would expect some type of change with my patients. And every time that I see my patients, I would expect it to either be a good change, bad change. If I don't see any change at all, then I'm probably not doing the right thing. <laughs> you know? So do you think, so when you're treating people, is it, it do you think, is your approach different? Cause I assume you, you, you initially worked in a sort of, we'll just call it a traditional physical therapy practice, right? Uh, you know, so I never did. Um, so, oh, so how, so how did you, so you always practice in this sort of, so this sort of model? I used to work for, uh, Shirley Kleiman here locally. Okay. Um, so, um, she developed a, you know, a biomechanical based approach. Right. And okay. so I worked as a PTA for her for, for multiple years. And that's where we really got my training as far as too. I kind of outside of the box treatment, right. A lot of people that were coming in, she had the same type of thing out of network practice. Mm-hmm. So, um, before I actually had the kind of diagnostic skills, which I was able to acquire in school, um, because I went, I worked as a PTA for six years. So, and I also did, I did a transitional doctorate program. So I went to university, university of Finley, 
And the nice part was I was able to use my updated education and then start to apply it to the clinic. Mm-hmm. But I had already had the treatment skills. It was just I was treating the structural you know, element, the alignment issues, things like that, but never really based off like an actual, right. you know, orthopedic diagnosis. So, but the success, success was really high. Right. So, I mean, somebody might've had something orthopedically that maybe was a bulge disc or things like that. Right. Yeah. But we would just call it, you know, a biomechanical dysfunction with X, Y, Z and typically correcting that would often resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I never, I did have clinical work though, where I did do. I was going to say, you, you must know, have, you must have been in that environment most of the time you're training, right? Yeah. For training, for sure. Yeah. So my therapy, I did three different clinicals. One was an in, inpatient, which was at a skilled nursing. So mm-hmm, sure. a very low level, um, you know, subacute rehab. And then my, my last two, um, one was here locally in Grand Rapids. And then I did another one down in Kalamazoo. And so that's, you know, that's where we went to more of, um, that traditional approach. Yeah. So without going to specifics about, you know, the practices, yeah. but what, how do you, how are they, how are they different as far as their approach to taking care of patients than, you know, yours right now, would you say? Well, I would say that the, when you don't really have, uh, you know, how do you, how do you kind of word this without, but like sometimes patients really don't have incentive to get better quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, Hey, you know, I'm going to be here for eight to 10 treatments. Right. So I've got, you know, till treatment 10 to feel better. Right. Whereas you can go through and you can look at, you know, Hey, you're, you know, this is weak and this is an issue and, and this and that. And so you look at kind of this broad perspective of people. Right. But the key is diagnosis, right? What, what is driving the issue right now? Normally there's probably multiple things, but it's typically finding out what the primary problem is. Right. So normally in like your, you know, your traditional therapy practice, there doesn't ever really seem to be that like true, like, Hey, this is your problem. It's more like, Hey, you've got, you've got four things going on. So we're going to work on all four. Right. So simultaneously you have four issues and we're going to work on all four. Well, typically though, there's one that is the primary problem. Sure. Yeah. So my perspective is that that is the one that you want to work on because that's going to dictate the other three a heck of a lot more than working on all four at the same time. Do you think that they're more driven by having people show up at multiple visits and they're not so focused on um, individualizing care the whole time? I mean, is there incentive? Is there a way they treat during the during your session that's different than say like you know your your method? Absolutely, yeah. So so a lot of therapy practices, you know, let's say even an hour visit, right? They'll come in and you'll start out with you know whether it's getting warmed up on a bike, and a lot of times that can be done by whether you know help with tech. Now techs. Um, are not allowed to do any type of skilled therapy or anything like that. So there is two people kind of ride that line as far as text doing exercise instruction, stuff like that. But a lot of times too, yeah, so people are doing an exercise program that often really doesn't require much therapy or therapist, you know, skilled eyes for them to do it. So, you know, you're there for half an hour sometimes and your therapist is not even doing it. So you're just like riding an exercise bike, yeah, which you you can do at home if you get there. Right. So, so that's (laughs) the thing is a lot of things can be done outside of the clinic. And so if I can minimize time in the clinic done with with exercises, right? People are going to optimize what the time that's spent with a therapist. And that's it. Where in your traditional practices that again, that hour treatment, you might really only spend 15 minutes with that, that physical therapist. And that might be whether it's they're doing manual work or, you know, different type of exercise instruction. Then a lot of times it's followed up by a modality, whether it be ultrasound or e-stim. So you have an hour and then two, this is where, you know, and this is why a lot of times it happens is you know, if you, if you're hour there and you have, you know, two therax, so that's your unit, right? So therapeutic exercise, okay. <laughs> you know, one manual, so manual therapy and then, you know, modality, right? So we got four units. 
manual therapy, there are re- different reimbursement costs, right? Okay. And typically, you know, functional activity and therapeutic activity reimburse the highest, right? Manual therapy has a lower reimbursement rate. So the incentive from the therapist or, you know, typically there's a higher up, whether it be corporate based. Yeah. Right? So, well, whoever. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're yeah. trying to, you know, meet numbers and data, you know, the, the payback on two therapeutic exercise is much higher than the payback on two manual. So there's more incentive to do more therapeutic exercise because the reimbursement is going to be much higher. And that's like riding a bike. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So you can ride a bike for, you could ride a bike for eight minutes and you could bill that as therapeutic exercise and they would, you know, so it's, so it's eight minutes. Yeah. It's eight minutes to 22 minutes is, is one unit. Yeah. Right? Okay. And once you go to 23 minutes, then you're in the second unit. So, yeah. so there's kind of this, this sliding scale, but that's a lot of therapy companies and even to whether it's a blue cross or priority, a lot of therapists will still use that eight minute rule. Um, because, it's kind of, you know, if we're going to go to a universal payer system and Medicare is kind of the foundation of that, a yeah. lot of, you know, therapies will do that. But yeah, I mean, it's, so a lot of times you can spend an hour in a um, general therapy practice and spend really 15 minutes with a physical therapist. Okay. So, and that sounds very similar to your medical practice. I mean, we're like, you go to primary care practice and, and most, most of your time is spent not actually talking to the physician and yeah. getting any diagnostic work or treatment. It's spent with gathering, you know, information and weight and whatever. Uh, so in a lot of, a lot of problems with medicine are data entry, electronic health records. Is that a problem for physical therapy as well? Like a lot of times I don't see that. I don't get the impression there's a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of stuff still is done like, you know, with, you know, I, I use an EMR for all my medical records, everything like that. I mean, I, you know, me being in a single entity right now, you know, there's, there's, you know, I don't have anybody who does my data did, entry. Did you, did you feel, or did people talk about when you're training lots of, uh, there are lots of back office staff who have to do all the billing and stuff like that. So like for most medical practices, they always say about 10 people in the back office yeah. for each physician. What is it? With, with PT, you know, if you're, um, you'll typically have billing specialists, right? You know, secretary to that. So some people have a higher billing specialist that will do the billing, all the, you know, all the coding, everything like that. Um, you know, spending time on the phone with the insurance companies, right. Right? collecting, trying, yes, all that kind yeah, of trying yeah, to yeah. figure out where the, when the pay is going to come, whether it's approved or, you know, pre-approved. And so, um, with, with PT and, and taking again, now taking the insurer out of it, right. You know, I still code, I do everything as far as like ICD 10 codes, my therapy diagnosis codes, but because I don't, get reimbursement based off that insurance incentive, right? I, I don't need somebody to, to send that to the insurance company to make sure that there's reimbursement. So why do you code then if you don't? Uh, because if somebody wants to submit the insurance. Is oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like a, the Mayo is like that, right? Like you don't, they don't actually contract with Medicare, yeah. but you can get your care there and then you submit the bill to Medicare and they pay the bill, exactly. but so they give you the codes and whatever. Sure. So, so it's just a service you provide to the patient's if they have insurance, they can then try and submit it and see if they get any money back. Definitely, definitely. So, so it does. I mean, then now it becomes on the patient a little bit, you know. So for some people, that might be a little bit of a, um, you know, a turnoff as far as hey, well, this is going to make a little bit more legwork for me. But but often just submitting it to an insurer is pretty simple. And yeah. so sometimes they might have other questions that you know I've had, you know, calls from almost all the insurance companies as far as to just making sure I'm a. Um, an actual business entity, uh, a healthcare <laughs> provider, you know, so, um, typically I'll get that. And then I just have to give them information as far as, you know, tax and things like that. So just making sure I have, you know, an appropriate tax ID and an NPI number, everything like that. Do you find most people are coming to you without expectation? They're not going to get reimbursed from the insurance anyway. And so, and so anything they get is sort of like gravy. 
for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, there are some people that just don't really care. I know they have insurance and say, ah, I don't really care. But I always suggest that, hey, you know, submit that for insurance. You never know. You might get 20% back, 50% back. It's, it's worth a shot. So, but I think most people um, probably are more on the lines of, you know, at this point, I don't really care. And, and you, you made an interesting point on your website when I was reading earlier that, um, that you know, you, you might see you, and I don't know how much you charge. It probably depends on the diagonal, what you think you have to do, but maybe it's a couple hundred, hundred dollars or something. And then um, it's expensive upfront cost, but if you go to a, the traditional physical therapist covered by insurance, nothing's covered really usually 100%. I mean, there are ones, but, you know, first you have to meet your deductible. So if you haven't met your deductible, you're paying whatever they cost, and you have to, an extra, if you're getting, if it's costing you more as far as treatment visits and things like that, that's going to come out of your pocket and that maybe may end up being more than your initial upfront charge, but also you have co-pays and, you know, balance billing, all these yeah, other sort yeah. of things that can, that can sort of catch people. They may not be, it may uh, not expect yeah, it. Right. Yeah. Well, and again, too, there's always that lag time too, as far as, I mean, you know, you go to the hospital, you know, you don't receive your anesthesiology bill until, you know, four to six weeks, which is not necessarily your fault, but then it has to go through the processing for the insurer, making sure that you yeah. guys are getting paid. And so, um, and that's what I think people don't understand is that you go into a traditional therapy practice and you still might be paying $450 for that evaluation for all the billing and the coding and, and the, that hour long session. Whereas, you know, and you won't know, right. You don't know that. until it comes back. And then, and then you might also suddenly say that, well, you're not going to pay any of that or right. I mean, Definitely. you don't ever know that. And, and so too, you know, if it, if, if it bounces back too, and let's say, Hey, your deductible is $6,500, right. Yeah. And next thing you know, you've got a $450 therapy bill that came out, you know, that comes to you four, four weeks, six weeks later, and then you're already in, and then you're thinking, well, I've already done eight treatment sessions, right? You know, so 450 plus all those, right? Yes, so you're saying, right? yeah. Now, granted, essentially you're working towards a deductible, which, you know, if you have other, other, you know, medical bills or expenses, right, essentially you'll meet that, but it's still, I mean, it can be a lot of out of pocket costs that you just end up paying and, and maybe that you are relatively healthy, except for a, a therapy issue, but it costs you. $6,500 and, and going to a more traditional, you know, therapy that you had to go for 20 visits. Right. And, you know, I, you know, I think it, there was a time, certainly when I started working in 2004, uh, in a private practice here that it was not hard for people to meet the deductible. And I think people oftentimes did because the deductibles are like one, $2,000. And so the person, the average person is going to probably meet that deductible through the year. <clears throat> and so then it's not a big deal. You're not, you're expecting to spend that much, but now your deductibles, maybe six, seven, Ten thousand dollars, especially for a family of four, yeah. and now it makes a big difference if you're because you're probably not going to meet the deductible and Absolutely. get that. And if you, and you, and it's not a goal to meet it <laughs> because it costs you so much to get to the point where now we're paying eighty percent, and then you're still on the hook for twenty percent. Yeah, right? yeah, yes. And so I think too with your you're seeing these higher deductibles, and so um, and. and being relatively new as far as like understanding, you know, uh, reimbursement and deductibles and, and everything that comes into, um, healthcare because before I was just providing, right. So I never really cared as much about You're the a worker bee. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, so now, you know, now it's looking at the scheme of it and going, you know, and then too now having a family, right. Mm-hmm. And just having a child and, and paying for, in, you know, independent private insurance, you know, wasn't a cheap thing to do, no. you know, um, it's small business owner. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, yes, our deductible is met, but you know, we have 
other costs. And I think we have a 20% pay now at this point, you mm-hmm. know, so we still have to pay. So even though deductibles met, I mean, there's still some right that comes out. Yeah. You no, know? I talked about one of my previous episodes where I got a bill for $5,000 for somebody that was, they were charging two fifty cash if I did it ahead of time, but I wow. just said submit to insurance. Um, not a unique story. I yeah. mean, and then my big fear is that, that what do they say? They accept it. And now I have to 20% of 5,000. I still have a thousand dollars. It's something that I could have gotten for two fifty. <clears throat> so I think this is a really good example of, um, the fact that now the deductibles are so high, co-payments, you know, co-pays and things, it seems like it's a good opportunity for someone. I mean, for people to, there's a, there's now room for you to be in the market and look affordable, even though you're charging what, what 10 years ago probably wouldn't, or 15 years ago would certainly have said, people are like, there's no way I pay $400 because I pay you know $5 to go to these yeah. co-pays. And now they're like, oh, this is actually probably a good deal. Yeah. And, and, and I think too, because a lot of the people I am seeing have either, like I said, either you know, really kind of chronic issues that they've been dealing with or, or somebody who's been to multiple providers and really has no good answer. Um, you know, I just treated actually a physician and a runner, mm-hmm. you know, not me by the way. No, yeah, uh, I don't run. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so he, he's a marathoner, uh, have been dealing with just a really stubborn case of plantar fasciitis was, was very traditional plantar fasciitis as mm-hmm. far as its symptoms. Well, the persistency of it was a little bit of the odd part. And then, you know, went through, you know, had a cortisone injection, everything like that. It yeah. helped, you know, he's like, you know, I, I don't want to say this, but one of my, you know, fellow providers gave me a cortisone and I'm like, Hey, you know, anything that helps. Yeah. Um, and you know, he had gone to therapy as well, right. Went to, um, actually I think an, I want to say an out of network provider, but, um, or I shouldn't say out of network provider an in network provider, but a private entity. Right. Sure. So, okay. um, so it was covered and, just felt like he said, you know, he was like, I, you know, I was on the bike, I was doing things like that. And we came in, I mean, he had st- some structural issues in his foot. We fixed those and, and I told him to go out and run, you yeah. know, and, and there, but, but that was the thing is that, he, you know, he, at that point he was just looking for the help. I mean, you're, you're looking for somebody who's looking for maybe something that's missing. Yeah. And so, um, that's where I think that, that, you know, one or two visits often to come in or, or three or four visits to come in and really just look at the issue as far as, you know, a different set of eyes on it and give, giving people something that somebody is missing. And, and oftentimes that's the thing is that there's, you know, again, there's three or four things, but are you hitting the right thing? Yeah. You know, and the, the market for physical therapists now, do you feel like it's moving? Is, is it moving in any sort of direction? Do you feel like what your model of sort of the cash pay upfront we're just going to treat the the problem and we're not going to have, you know, we're not going to treat it like it's been traditionally treated. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that that's growing? Do you think there's a movement towards this or do you think you're just an outlier and a kind of weirdo in town? Yeah, I think, I think medicine in general is going that way. I mean, I think mm-hmm. most of the smart people, as far as that go, you know, I, I mean, um, it just, again, that, that business model, but I think too, that people in general sometimes, and I think are kind of getting fed up with some of that, you know, that, Hey, yeah, this is what my insurance provides, but is it the best, you know, mm-hmm. care that I can get? So, um, I would say that there it's, it's kind of progressing slowly. I do think it depends on the market too. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think Grand Rapids, as far as the economy and, and the way it's growing, this, this market for me is fantastic. I mean, when I well, was you said school, you're too busy. Yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so, I mean, you look at just the surrounding area and just the growth is, is tremendous. And so, um, when I was in school, a lot of the therapists, because uh, I went to school in Ohio and mm-hmm. at University of Finley, and they talked about how I mean, some of them actually had private practices, but when certain laws, you know, came into play in the the nineties and the two thousands, where pay was taken away from private practices and went more into the systems, a lot of those failed, and so in towns that 
couldn't sustain that, right? Mm-hmm. So you're seeing some of those like super payments, lump payments, where people are setting up incentive plans where basically, hey, we're gonna we're gonna give you X amount of money for your patient for this amount of time. Oh, okay. Right? And so so a lot of uh, hospital systems were negotiating with insurance companies. And so then now you're taking away from some of those smaller entities. I see. Yeah. So, so some, you know, more into even like private practice, whether it be like a home healthcare, right. Yeah. So home physical therapy, you know, whether it be for geriatric population or people who just can't get out of the house. But, um, yeah, I think that our market definitely had it. And that's why I think for me, I went that direction. Um, but I was in school, there were about 36 people in my program and I would say probably most of them probably thought I was a little bit crazy. And so, <laughs> so yeah. you're an outlier still. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, I, and, but I think in Grand Rapids, there's a market to have multiple, there are other, you know, a couple other professionals here, sure, you know, yeah. physical therapists who do that. Do you, do you feel that's a, do you feel that's a generational thing? Do you think it's an, just, you think most people go into physical therapy aren't entrepreneurial and willing to take the risk or I, or do you think it's because, you know, at some point if there's enough supply, people are going to, or enough demand, I should say, then yeah. people will supply whatever it is they think they see. But yeah. do you think it's just, I, I've always wondered if it's sort of like a, we always have this talk, talk now in medicine that um, people are going in with the expectation they'll be employed and they're not going to go into private practice and go on, you know, hang a shingle yeah. and yeah. start practicing because there's so much risk involved Absolutely. and it's hard, you know, without the, the infrastructure with the HRs or whatever, yes. you know, to try and afford all this stuff. Um, and then you've got your, debt, which I'm sure you have debt, not yeah. medical school debt, but still significant, I'm sure at times. Yeah, definitely. Do you, th- do you think it's a generation? I mean, what do you think the, the, the reason for that is, or do you think it's, do you think it's shifting? Do you think the next, what's your impression uh, nationally or sort of like good, trade journals and whatever? I think, I think that's a great question. So during some of my clinicals, I, I worked with multiple um, therapists who were younger than me. So I'm, I'll be 36 this week. So I'm your non-traditional, right? So I went to a transition program. So as far as most therapists being done with school, you know, at 26 years old, yeah, right, right? sure. And so I think I just had a different perspective as far as, okay, I'm a little bit older. I'm a little bit more mature. I've seen the field. So I have more direction with it. But when I was in my last clinical, um, there were two uh, therapists that I work with and they per- were very persistent at telling me that if I thought I wanted to make a lot of money, I went into the wrong field, right? <laughs> you know, and, and they were like, you know, trust us. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily the incentive I went into this for, right. but I do think as far as being, being successful in a private practice, like the business is there, um, but you have, you have to be offering something different, right? Mm-hmm. If people don't offer something that's different from the standard product, then I think that's where you kind of lose out. Right. So then that's where too, I, I, I do think there is that kind of that risk of the younger, younger generation. Although I, I, I feel like the younger generation, there is that entrepreneurial, like, Hey, start your own business, do this. There is a lot of that. But with the PT field, I do think it is more so like, Hey, get a job, work for a company because then you just, they'll feed you patients and then you have nothing to worry about. Sure. And you're, you have benefits. You'll have all the sorts of, yeah. well, all that stuff that's, that is to, is to your benefit oftentimes, but it does come with a price. I mean, I think that's, um, that's always a trade off with everything, but do you, do you think that, um, do you see that? I mean, you see this growing. I mean, you're obviously too busy, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. already. Are, yes. You looking to expand and try and bring yeah. more people. So yep. yeah. So I mean, that would be my next step. Is 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 a larger, um, just you know, building structure, bigger space, yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that big, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, and then you know, obviously hiring another clinician, and and that becomes a tricky thing because too, you know, as it being cash based, right? You need to offer, 
you know, that variable that's different than traditional. Either, therapy, right? either you're, yeah, you basically, and this is what, you know, medical par- partnerships is what they did, right? You buy into the partner, partner yep. on some level, you pay some pay yeah. in if, and at least overhead or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then and, you have to, and you have to, I suppose in your instance, you'd have to have a philosophically, you have to have someone who's going to practice in generally the same sort of manner. Agreed. Agreed. And, and there, you know, I, I'd love to have somebody who maybe has a, a unique skill set different from mine that can bring it to the practice that's already established, right? You know, and, and whether it be a specialty, you know, working with the chronic migraine patients oh, or different sure. things like that, right? Because, you know, those are those are always tough cases, right? You know, because there's so many variables that come into play. Um, but, you know, some people are a little bit more versed in, in kind of all the, all the avenues of that. I mean, that's, do I see patients like that? Yes. But, you know, those are always more complex because there are a lot of, a lot of variables. Yeah. It's way easier to fix a knee that just structurally, right. you know what I mean? And yeah. so, so yeah, I think as far as expansion of the practice, um, it's hiring someone who fits the mold, right. Fits the concept. It'd be nice if I could custom shape somebody, right. <laughs> but that's also too, would come with either of them be, being willing to kind of go as far as like, a you know, just shadowing for a while, taking lesser pay yeah, sure. you know, and, and going from there. But yeah, so, so that's the next step as far as business. But I do think there still is that people are comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And that there is that risk. And I think for me, my wife is a business owner. She's been a business owner. She's that kind of genuine entrepreneur, right? Yeah. She, I, every day I come home, she's got something new going on, right? Uh-huh. And so uh, when I, when I kind of questioned whether I wanted to do this right away, she was really adamant about, you know, start it now because you, you you're going to be nervous no matter what right you mm-hmm. got to take that leap and so once i took the leap or no then it was you know things kind of started out and i think i was open actually the the second week i was open i think was the week that we had that huge snowstorm right <laughs> and nobody really went anywhere and then i think the next week we had this all the ice and then it was like another ice storm yeah. and so and i was so so i had a lot of time to like i said a really, lot of solitaire yeah yeah and so i i did have some patients i actually had some that that came in during that but but just starting out and just getting it going, I think was the best thing I could do because I do think it's with anything. I mean, you're going to have to jump, right? Yeah. And you and you you might hit the ground really hard, right? But if you can get back up and kind of learn from what you're doing, I think that's the biggest thing is that I knew if I didn't start it, I wasn't going to learn how I was going to do it. And so I think that's sometimes a fear issue, you know, especially too when you get out of school with a lot of a lot of debt. Sure. Right? So yeah. Yeah. There's that. a lot of pressure on you, right? Yeah. You got to provide your family and make sure and. Make well, sure you and, eat. And two years, you know, even two, you say like not, my school, I, I went to Hope for my undergrad mm-hmm. and then I went back and did my That's PTA. a private school for those you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so I did, I did, I came out with kind of minimal debt, but then doing the distance program um, that I was in and, and Finley, University of Finley is a private institute as well. So mm-hmm. it was a pretty high tuition cost. And so I, I have a decent amount of debt and, but I also think if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, that would be a lot more stressful. Yeah. Because then I would probably be taking a lot of my income and putting it towards my student loans and, and really, you know, kind yeah. of mi- minimizing what I c- would have as far as, you know, mm-hmm. extra funds. But um, right now it's just, it's been fantastic. Things have gone well. And so I've, I have a great patient load and I've been able to manage it well. Yeah. I mean, I think when I talk to other entrepreneurs, physicians, it's the same sort of story, right? It's like, you know, you try and plan, you have an idea of what it's going to be like, and then you just have to at some point make the decision you're just going to do it and then kind of just go on the fly and, and just as, as things evolve and you learn how to actually practice however it is, yeah. you just have to learn how to market and all those things and network and find, and find patients. Do you have a big back office or do you? Not at all. It's me. Just you. Yeah, so just I mean, me right that, now. and so yeah. that, that, that provides a tremendous efficiency for you, right? I yeah. mean, that's, 
And, and that's why I talk about these EPC docs, the same thing, like, well, one person or yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, so, yeah. So right now, too, that would be, I would think, you know, before, and I, it's like every week I say I need to get somebody to do things, and it's just, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's paper, you know, I'm, I'm input, inputting, you know, data information. I do all my billing as far as making sure my charges are up to date. Um, and then to like, you know, sending emails out and then also, resp- you know, answering calls back and responding to patients. And so trying to stay up on that. I, I mean, I try to be as efficient as possible. I mean, it pushes me um, because too, a lot of times when I have a busy day, I need to find that time in the day to return phone calls and make sure to communicate with people effectively. And so yeah. there's some days where I'm definitely overwhelmed. And so having somebody to help me would at least take some of that, you know, back office stuff off sure. of my table which would, which would make my practice better as far as like, then I could just worry about my patients, which when I'm with my patients, you know, that's the other thing too is, is, you know, I might jot some things down, but I, I do have a pretty good memory as far as whether it's treatment, diagnosis, stuff like that, or, or kind of what I had for, you know, positive findings. Mm-hmm. And so, but, I, but I don't sit there and document with my patients. You know, that's another thing too, is like that hour that I'm with my patients, you know, I'm with my patient. Oh, and you're you with know. them the whole hour, right? It's a lot easier to remember something than if you're with someone for eight, nine minutes. For sure. For right? sure. And so, you know, I think that being, you know, spending that much time too, and, and really, like you said too, even with your doctor, right? You might be there for an hour, but you maybe spend 15 minutes with your doctor. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so even too, your doctor has a limited time to kind of really get a good idea because oh, sure. he's trying to get a Q&A in a short period. And sometimes you're forgetting things. And so, you know, sometimes you pick other things up, spending a little bit more time with people as far as like you know, Hey, you know, is there something that possibly you're doing to help, you know, facilitate the issue to be worse on a regular basis and this and that. So, so I think too, but, but I do, that's why I think it's important for, you know, patient outcomes is that I do think when you have, um, you know, your skilled therapist, right. And maybe not just a tech with you, the majority of your time, you can use that time to reflect upon, you know, what it is that, you know, they're struggling with, they're dealing with yeah. and trying to, trying to find some, some resolution to that problems. And a lot of times lifestyle modification or just changes in how you're doing everyday activity can make a tremendous difference. And I think that's where spending a little bit more time with your patient and getting a good idea of their limitations really is going to, you know, show more of a long-term outcome. Sure. And know? I, and I always feel like if you're going to spend a couple hundred dollars, you want to spend it with someone who's worth a couple hundred dollars rather yeah. than spending on an exercise bike. Yeah, right. I mean, definitely, definitely. And that's the same thing with a physician. Like if you're going to go see someone, you actually want to see the physician. You actually want to have someone who's an expert, who's going to be able to fix whatever it is or give you an idea. You don't want to spend a bunch of money and not actually ever see anybody. And, and you know, I've had, I've had, a, you know, two, I've had failed cases too. And, and, you know, I think there are a lot of therapists, some therapists don't like to refer right to, to mm-hmm. doctors because you know hey your you know surgeon does this but you know with, with people who sometimes have things they're struggling with I, I will bring a medical specialist in to help intervene you know whether it be say hey you know I'm not sending you there because you need to have surgery but at least we get a, a perspective of what's going on internally but they might be able to offer something whether it be pain management with, with cortisone shot sure you know something like that I mean and people are uh, tremendously thankful when you send them in the right direction, right? It's not always going to be the best as far as their patient return because they might have have you know having surgery and and you know you yeah you know, I would say you know the blame's not really on you at by any means, but some people might take it that way. But you know I think when you send people in the right direction and people find and they end up on the on the um, good end of of a surgical outcome, they're very thankful that you did it. Oh, I you mean, know? look, you can't you can't fix everything with physical therapy. You can't fix everything with surgery. There's always some combination between some things are you know. 50 50 which you want to try first yeah and, i mean it makes it only makes sense that there's some things that are going to work and some aren't and you can't expect to always whatever your specialist you can't fix every problem 
whatever you do. Which so. coming in as a, a young therapist at first, that was always my biggest challenge. Right. You know? Oh and, yeah, sure. No, and, and I think, you know, in, in training as a physician in your specialty training, the, the biggest, the, the most important skill to have, I mean, aside from being somebody who shows up in time and all the usual, the usual sort of things, right. Is recognizing when you don't know and when to ask questions and to accept the fact that you may not be able to fix whatever it is and then to seek help. Right. Sure. I mean, the, the biggest thing is just saying, I don't know. And I'm going to, I'll find out or help yeah. you help you get the answer. But yeah. You know, when I think too, you know, to being in a more specialty clinic, I'm trying to diversify my skill set as much as possible all the time. Right. Yeah, so you're yeah, I, by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I might offer some unique things, but too having, you know, a, a vast variety of, of skill sets and being able to offer multiple different ways to fix something, I think too maximizes outcomes. Right. So often too, you'll get a therapist who has a, a strict way of treating and kind of sticks to that traditionally. And, and I think too, but if you have a, a little bit of piece of everything and you can, again, to select the best thing at the time mm-hmm. and, and see that good outcome. And so, yeah, I mean, it, in, in, over, in the overall kind of that private practice world for me right now is, is, is optimizing that hour that the patient feels like what they're paying for is, is worth it because they're getting better. Yeah. You know? And I think sometimes it's when you go into the more traditional, it's hard to tell if you're getting ready or getting better initially because of the fact that, you know, Hey, your plan of care is for 10 visits. And so we don't really necessarily need you better for 10 visits. We've got you scheduled out. Yeah. And I think that, you know, then it kind of draws out the process. Right. Well, yeah. and like you said, I think it's important, probably especially as a small business owner, entrepreneur, whatever, that you're not rigid, yeah. right, and that you have some flexibility, and that's important. Well, that's probably a good way to end the end the show. Yeah. How? What's a good way for people to find out what you're up to? Good question. So, um, website www. You know, dot com, or excuse me, www. Midline Movement. So, uh, Midline, just like one word, and then Movement. dot com is the website, and so. Um, all the information as far as uh, phone, email is on that website. So um, gives to a little bit kind of a general overview of the clinic itself. Right. So, um, you know, I, I made the page just for kind of a, a um, an informative page. But I think, too, with, with everybody getting into the clinic and, and seeing if, if the treatment's right for you is always the best thing. And for the most part, um, I feel like there's there's something I can offer everybody at this point. You firebrand on Twitter or Facebook or something like uh, that. You know what? I I have a, a Facebook too as well. But that's and just so, like personal page. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I I do have a I do have a um oh, a the, business the... page. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not a, a tweeter or a Twitter person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what so, sna- Snapchat. Yeah. I yeah. So, I don't, so yeah. just just the basic stuff right now. <laughs> try to try to try to minimize it. You know, because then right. too I have to keep those up to date. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. It was nice talking. Yeah. To thanks you. a lot, Eric. Thanks for listening to The Paradox. If you like what The Doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash the paradox. Show notes can be found at theparadox.com. <laughs>